Hello, kia ora, and welcome to Purpose Fueled Performance with me, your host, Tim Jones, the Grow Good Guy. So apparently we're live. It says we're live, so we'll we'll go with that. So um, kia ora, welcome to uh, PFP TV episode number five. We're crushing through the episodes. And this week I have Dylan Ditchfield with me. Um, kia ora, Dylan. Where, who are you? Where are you from? For those of you who yeah. don't know you. <laughs> kia ora, Tim. Kia ora, thanks for um, inviting me on the show. I was uh, looking, been looking forward to this for a while now. And so, yeah, we're, we're um, my wife and I, Cherie, we found down in uh, uh, northern Southland and a place called Wendon, so I knock about uh, 450 cows. Um, and yeah, we started up a, a, a business about uh, 10 years ago. Well, the idea came through 10 years ago, um, and for the last six, seven years, we've been doing some coaching and mentoring, I guess, through um, the business we call Now Style, which used to be called Farming to Freedom, and which we would take couples through through a course. Um, what else? I've, I've been involved in boards, and, um, and yeah, that's probably where we're at at the moment. Cool. So I guess purposeful farming um, is maybe not something that most people can get their heads around. I think, um, you know, I'm a townie. Uh, what do we know? But I think, you know, the media, the press, the general consensus in New Zealand and, and globally is, you know, boo farming. You're destroying the planet. What are you doing? Um, and, I, and I guess part of your journey was you, you did have a recognition that there was stuff that you were doing on the farm. And the reason you were doing a lot of that stuff on the farm was chasing material success. And mm-hmm. I guess the, the way we got introduced or the way we connected was through uh, John Joe Ritson at Flashworks, who made a really cool uh, explainer video about what it was you were doing and how you were transitioned. So, yeah, ha- broad, broadly at the high level, like, ha- how are you doing purpose and farming or, or trying to bring more consciousness into the farming community? What does that, all, what does that look like for you these, mm-hmm. this time? I th- probably, um, I guess, a bit of our story is is that uh, regarding the dairy industry specifically, it's quite um, very much around career, you know, growth, um, asset attainment, and you know, money. You know, when you talk to dairy companies, etc., you know, it's all about what, what am I getting in return. So it's all about the mm. tangible stuff, right? And and that's what we were chasing um, pre um, uh, pre recession. And uh, and we went out and purchased a two, another two properties and started to progress and uh, convert those into dairy farm. And um, then recession hit, and it really we were already in debt up to here. And of course, recession hit, our income halved, and things went from you know feeling being pretty tight to being completely chaotic. So um, I we, I just fell on my face pretty much. I mean, I was trying to run the farm, convert it, plus hold on to all the stuff that I was had at home. Here as well with a couple of other um, farming units, mm. and I couldn't. Do it. I wasn't seeing my family. I wasn't seeing um, my wife. Um, I was just, I was just completely focused on survival, pretty much. Um, and I, I wasn't sustainable. I, I was about to. If I didn't change, put this way, if I didn't change, um, you know, I, I'm not sure if I'd still be married, and we probably wouldn't have what we have at the moment. Not that well. having is important. Yeah, um, so, but so being focus, being's important. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so I really had no choice, and um, so I guess at that time I'm, I'm putting a long story in a very short sort of space of time. But uh, I finally realised I needed we needed to get some help. <clears throat> so we we got a uh, advisory board around us actually, and help us through 
some pretty um, turbulent times through recession, like everyone was really feeling it in business. And um, and because we we're heavily in debt and had it was high interest rates at the time compared to what they are now, um, we I needed to get some structure to my life. So we we consolidated the business over time, and then through that experience, you know, um, we realised that and we started to get a real people centric focus. Our business and through that process um brendan herricks who we work alongside with uh, with our course now who's a partner in it he um helped us to find our purpose and values and at the time purpose and values was like this what's this fuzzy bs stuff what what's that about <laughs> sure he was into it you know um and but i was struggling with it to be honest yeah so wh where was that resistance to the the concept of purpose where, where was that from do you think have you have you questioned that? Um, I questioned it because I was just really focused on all everything that was tangible, you know, growth. You know, I mean, I I freely admit it now. Ego was at play. I probably I didn't realise it at the time, but you know, I, I never admitted it at the time actually, but it definitely was because that's part of the industry as it was. You know, everyone's growing, everyone's looking over the fence. So how many farms has he got, or what sort of car does he drive? Um, yep. But you know, and all you're looking at is the stuff that you see. You don't really know what's underneath it. That he maybe doesn't own the vehicle, or you know, owns a ten percent of the farm. But you make these assumptions, and then you start to plan your life around what you see over the fence, which is again BS, you know. Yep. Um, and so that that was my life. I was hardwired to to chase growth. You know, grow my herd, grow grow the farms, and that's why I thought if mm. we didn't. If we didn't jump at the time and get those farms because the dairy company was calling out for milk we need to convert more farms so well we better get in now because we're going to miss out and land is a limited resource um yep. and so we, we we started a bit late and got some you know probably some farms that were maybe were questionable whether we should should have converted them or not but because we're chasing the, the dollar the growth uh that wasn't really an issue in my mind at the time but, yep you kind of rationalize <laughs> what you're doing for the potential upside financially or materially yeah we you know we bought this lovely house that we live in uh, just pre-recession as well and um so i was looking for a way to, to try and find an investment to capitalize on that and um sell down to pay for the house because the yeah. house wasn't going to give me a return you know all those little schemes <laughs> you know and uh and of course it just yeah tripped me up and spit me up mm. It's those bloody Joneses, I tell you. Everyone's trying to keep up with us. Um, but as I, as I say to everyone, like the Joneses, the, the Joneses are full of shit. Like we don't, have, we have nothing. You know, it's all, it's all, uh, it's all trinketry. It's like there's no, there's no here other than this Jones. I hope. Um, um, but yeah, it's, it's it's such a big driving force is is to compare yourself. And I, th I think the take home for me, or, or the message I always try to give to people in my coaching and training is. Don't compare yourself to other people. Compare yourself to how much better you are as a human than you were yesterday. Because that that battle, well, neither battle you can win necessarily because uh, there's always going to be someone with more helicopters and planes and boats and yeah. houses than you. Um, but the battle against yourself to be the better version of you is continuous because you, you will never get to a peak state of humanity as an individual. There's always an improvement you can make. Um, was there like a specific moment that, it all kind of came crashing down or, or it just went in your mind and you're because remember in the video this is what really struck me to reach out to you in, in the first place I was watching that video and I remember you were talking to your wife and you said you know we, we we kind of realized that we'd been chasing the wrong metrics 
Um, mm. And what was there um, a specific moment or was it a, a slower burn that led you to that sort of realisation? I think it was probably a slower burn for me. Um, mm. It would have come, it did come to me at a hard moment, I guess, you know, because we, we believe for us, you know, finding a purpose in your values is a discovery. It's not, you know, you don't create it. It's innate in you. And trying to yep. trying to learn trying to learn about yourself and who you are is actually not an easy thing to do, because um, <laughs> we're complex, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and so you're digging up the past and and digging up, um, you know, how you're raised and brought up and led to believe and your your likes and dislikes, hates and things like that. And I guess I I guess you know I wasn't really a spiritual person at at the mm. time, and um, so if I couldn't see it and there wasn't data and yep. facts in front of me, I was struggling with it. Yep, um, that's kind of how I was wired, really. So yeah, mm. yeah, I believe it, but prove it to me, you know. Yeah, and it's really hard to prove. I, I was doing a workshop on purpose yesterday, and and I, the, the way I sort of say is is when you initially bump into purpose and you're trying to explain it, it's like trying to explain the taste and smell of the number three. It's, it's it is intangible, but there are feelings and there are emotions. And I, I guess more typically males and more typically rural males, more typically rural males in New Zealand who are in the farming community, woo-woo, spiritual purpose. Like you say, it's like, unless I can put a number on it and put in a spreadsheet and see where it's going to be taking me in three years, yeah. it's not on my radar. Right. So I, I, I guess you... Yeah, I guess the other the other take home is what you've been saying so far is guys listen to your wives because they are yeah. they, we know that we know that they're always right. So just <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's why she's not sitting here today. <laughs> Maybe I should be. I'll interview her next time. Get the yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. A completely different story. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what was the when you when so it kind of come together? You kind of realised okay, maybe maybe I'm not on the path of the highest fulfillment for me as an individual. Um, plus, you know, you're at, you're at a, a crisis point, you know, with the economic system. What was the first step that you did that you undertook to sort of go, okay, I need any, because I guess it's, it's like the, the archetype of the hero's journey. You know, you go into the depth, you know, the belly of the whale, and then it's like, okay, what's the, what was the light that you could see that was taking you on the upward swing after that? Yeah, I guess. Well, so the story to, to lead me to say that I need help. Right was yeah, and, and it needed to be me that asked that, said that myself. Even my yeah. wife Cherie, she could see it all, but she couldn't tell me. So I had, car crash, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> on the sideline, but she was in the car with me, so you know it was probably really difficult. So it, it started, and this is, I guess, it just re reflects the state of where we where we were. And um, we were actually booked in to do a um a hundred hundred k bike ride. that's called the Rainbow Rage. Is through the um. Yeah. Yep, three down to Hamlet Springs. Yep. And it was obviously a number of years ago. And it was in the middle of this crisis. And I was trying to trying to get out and do something outside of the farm because that's all I was doing. And so um, because I was limited for time, I had put in virtually no training. But I'd done a lot of cycling <laughs> in my, you know, when I was younger, thinking, oh, we'll just we'll should be right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, should be right. That's, that's, that's my training. That's my training. Style. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, be? It's only 100Ks. Yeah. Uh, we'll be all right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And she had done a lot of training, like she'd put in the effort, which she always does, right? And so I think, well, I'm a bit of masculine. So anyway, we started off and I was with a friend as well. And it was a beautiful day and I was like, oh, this is awesome, on tail seal, you know, and then we hit gravel and um, it was okay. And then the weather started to close in and, and by about, I don't know, three quarters, well, halfway, I was, I was buggered. 
but we kept going and trudging through and by about you know we had about 15 k's to go and um basically it was so cold i was wet and i got mild hypothermia with with my mate oh, wow. and so um we ended up sitting at a land rover with a heap of other people who were also struggling um shivering trying to warm up with a heater and my wife she was ahead of us and she she finished and i didn't and so that was a big you know shit. okay i need to sort my shit out here and that yep. night i said to sheree this is no good so that 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 exercise was a complete was a reflection of our business and how i yep. just threw myself in it and yep. i said we need to get some help so we went and saw a business advisor brendan who i mentioned who is part of a big part of what we do now and he took us through a process which is pr pretty much the course we run now is with, yep. we get couples to go the course she, he took us through that um as individuals super cool yeah there's so there's so much gold there um yeah i think guys in general it's like yeah she'll be right i'll just give it a go how hard can it be and sometimes that's good you know i think we need an element of of ballsiness to sort of just you know what's the worst that can happen i end up in a land rover um, i've been hypothermic twice uh once uh was it yeah, once in the army, when I was in the reserves, and once at school, we did a. There's an event you do called Ten Tours in the southwest of the UK. So you walk. It's a 45 or a 55 mile walk. Yeah, I got hypothermic. Don't remember a thing. Ended up being casvacked uh, off in a helicopter. Six mm. hours was like 10 minutes. Right. So yeah, I know it's not fun. Um, mm. And I guess that's such a cool metaphor. Like you had, you had these twin crises. Um, and as we were sort of saying just before we we kicked off the call, you know, people only change when they're sick and tired of being sick and tired. And and yeah. I think if the I guess the, the take home for anyone listening is if you're feeling sick and tired and, and you think it can't get any worse, well, that's actually a good thing because, and I think this is what I love about all the, um, uh, uh, what's, what would you call it? Like the mythical uh, archetypes, you know, it's like the hero story, like, you know, mm. at the darkest hour that, you know, dawn is around the corner. Um, and so I guess it's almost relish the fact that you've hit rock bottom because it, it's going to get better. And it, and you have no idea how much more amazing life will be once you've gone through the rest of the journey. So you had you had the session uh, with Brendan. You sort of had your had your um, I guess like a bit of an epiphany. So what what was some what were some of the key moments of of, of that work that you did as a couple, um, and how did that affect your sort of business and your personal life? Um, I guess we needed to uh, was uh, if I think back to it, there's a series of things we did. And um, we, we were working on lots of different things within the business. And one was to get some structure. So really understand governance. We put a, like I said, a governance board around us. So they brought accountability to us as well, to running our own business and helped us and guided us through, okay, do we need to sell down to consolidate and all those sorts of things. And, um, you know, my brain at the time was a bit of a bit of a mess and a bit of a mush. So I had to bring some clarity to the boards, so which brought clarity to me as well. Um, and, and then you know what have getting a real people focus so um handing down responsibility because i had all the responsibility on my shoulders mm. and um so learning how to let go so i've got a saying to i tell myself <coughs> letting go while you grow because you can't actually nice. grow until you go, go shit. nice um, and um and you can actually do it most a lot of us don't think you can actually do it but it's all about having investing time into people and coaching them you know about the things you do and more times than not they'll do it better than you've ever done yeah uh, <laughs> yeah 100 uh, yeah yep. that's, that's the ego a little bit but you you soon let go of that because you've got some freedom you've got some headspace you know yep. and you, can, you, you can actually focus on the things you're supposed to be focusing on mm. so and but of course the, the other part was the purpose and values piece that we we're really trying to understand what that was and it initially you know it's 
you get hooked up on, and this is what happens in our courses, that everyone gets hooked up on what they do. So they're trying yeah. to tie their business, their tangible things, you know, growth, money, cows, milk, whatever, grass, within, in our cases, because a lot of them are farmers that do our courses, into their purpose when it's not actually what they do, it's it's who they are, you know? Yep. And so um, to get, to try and help them understand that, and that, that was our process, and we had cows and grass and be, um, uh, being creative and um, trying different things. That's kind of who we were a little bit. Um, but we took it to our team and said, well, this is what we're thinking it is. What do you reckon? And the feedback was, yeah, you do that stuff, but it's not you. It's not, mm. go away, go away and try again. So we went away and we got down to uh, positively impacting people, which is our, it's our purpose and it's what, who we yeah. are. And when we showed that to our team, they went, yeah, that's it. That's who nice. we are. Yeah. Well, so we were doing it. We we're already doing it. But we didn't realise. Yep. We didn't even know that we we're. You know, that was what was in us. And um, mm. once we realised that, and that was quite. That was the aha, aha moment. I think at that point, yep. when they said, "No, you've nailed it." Um, but it was sort of. You know, it was hidden amongst that we couldn't see it, but they could, and that yep. was kind of a bit of a epiphany. Yeah. And I, I mean, again, we were talking to this beforehand, you know, that that's the value of coaching and support from somebody else is that they can see the genius in you. They can see the block for you so much more, you know, so much more clarity than you ever will. Um, yeah. Yeah. But it's hard because, as you've mentioned, people don't want to typically people don't want to challenge the very fabric of their being in terms of their beliefs and who I am and, and everything that I've been chasing in life. Um, that, that was a really big thing for me was to sort of realize that everything had been a bit of a lie almost or, or a ruse at least. It's like I've been set on this path that wasn't one that was the right one for me. And I, well, who did this? Why, why have you all done this to me? Whereas, if you know, um, theoretically school, society, parents, family, you know, you should, you should have the unconditional love to let me go and be who I could be for me to have my best life. But that system, systemically seems to be the big challenge for most yeah. people in the Western democratized world is it's, is it's like, no, you need to go and do this because I want you to go and do that or it's going to be good for you. It's like, yeah. Yeah, but is it? Mm. Is it, isn't um, it? A lot of things is about how we define ourselves, you know, <clears throat> and that's, it just goes right through. Everyone does it. And, um, you know, in the farming world, we define ourselves as farmers. And so that's, we yep. speak to that all the time. But actually mm. we're humans, just like anyone who works yep. in, in the accountant, you know, or a doctor or yep. whatever. And they're not different either. They define themselves as doctors or accountants, um, but they're actually human. And that's the yep. kind of conversations we try to bring out in our courses is just, look, let's have these open conversations and vulnerability mm -hmm. is such a key thing to yep. also understanding your values and your purpose. Hundred percent. Well. I, I wouldn't go as far to say that all accountants are human. Um, but, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, yeah. I just I love I love picking on accountants because I I hate spreadsheets so much and I don't really do numbers, so they're just like my natural go to pick on. So apologies to all accountants. I love you all. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, oh, that's super cool. So um, you did the work. Um, you kind of did the purpose. Um, it, it kind of led to a lot of changes. Um, so what, what was sort of the first changes or the first change that you instigated in in the business? Yeah, well, I guess it was a process, right? And, and like, putting people first, the positively impacted people, changing, changing the focus off the, the production, those things that we, you know, we need to get, you know, make sure the grass is this high and this how much mm -hmm. cover we need to go into. 
see how many cows we're going to milk. This is the condition. This is the production we're chasing. And these are the things you have to do it. So the, the people were, were up until that point were a commodity or byproduct of their business. Yep. Even though we're, we're annoyed with people. I mean, I, I think, I'd like to think that people thought we were not bad employers, but at the end of the day, it was production that came first and people came second. Yep. And which, realized, which is probably most most businesses, realistically. It's yes, like, we're, we're just here to do this, make the widget, sell the thing, do yep. the spreadsheets, crack on. Mm. Exactly. So once we realised that, if you take your focus off what you're trying to chase, which you often you don't achieve anyway, and if you mm. do, it comes at the cost of a lot of other things, including the people factor. Yep. Put it into the people, actually treat them like humans and care for them, and they'll care for you, and your profit will come as a result. Yep. And a, and a, um, a good mate of mine, Zach Maturio, he does purposey type stuff in, in the US, and as he says, the other problem with with – um, material kind of tangible goals is that you can achieve them and then you achieve them and you go, oh, yeah, actually, yeah. it doesn't feel quite as good as I thought it was going to do. And now, now what do we do? You know, as, as a reformed sales guy, that was always the, the thing I found quite amusing is, you know, someone in the company would say, hey, your sales target this year is $5 million, you know, for the territory, go get it. And you work all year to go and get it. And then the next year they go, cool, now we want six. And it's like, it was barely five. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've shaken all the trousers. I've flipped all the sofas. Like, there's not a million bucks there, team. Um, but hey, sure, I'll, I'll go try. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, and you, once, you, once you get your territory to that size or whatever, it's like, yeah, well, it's kind of done it. You know, take now what? And I think that's yeah. the difference between purpose as a leading indicator or, or a, a goal is that it is so expansive and it expands with you. It's what I call the purpose horizon. As you start doing good, you kind of go, oh, wow, we could we could get to the horizon. And then you get to the horizon, but you're also on a bit of an upward slope because it's hard. And then suddenly you go, oh, hang on a minute. Now I can see 100 miles. Oh, shit. I didn't realize yeah. that. And then you're climbing a little bit further. So the horizon's kind of continually expanding and extending in front of you as you start doing good. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, how how did people around you take this? So you know, Dylan, uh, you know, good old mucker farmer, yeah, doing well, crushing it on the material stuff. Suddenly he's coming to the pub in his stubbies, going, yeah, but hey guys, what about purpose? Let's all hold hands and you know have a chat. And how are we feeling? <laughs> um, how did you navigate that? Because I imagine that could could be disastrous in a, in a in a rural community setting sort of suddenly i guess it's like the um, little britain you know i'm, I'm the, the i'm the only gay in the village it's like you know who, who is this guy you know what's he doing yeah yeah no, it's a good question actually um to be honest i didn't really take too much notice of that i am not a, i'm not one that takes i just focus on where we're heading but um yep. what i can say is um yeah i think i think there would be a lot of because you don't know what you don't know. That people talk behind your back or whatever, and mm. they can say what they like. But if you don't hear it, what well, doesn't affect you? Yeah. Um. But I'm still the same person. Now, if I turn up, go to the local pub, have a beer, you know, have a good old yarn with people. We don't try and push the. Uh, why have you? You know, what are you guys doing? Are you focused on your production or all your people? You know, you don't go and ram mm. down your throat because it's who yep. you are. Yep. And so, so I was conscious that I needed to be, still need to be, you know, the person I needed to be in in my community. Um. Um, but I think people knew that we're changing. But we've we've had locals go through our course now. Um, they realise what we're doing. We've we've actually had a, a lot of praise and um, you know just carry on with what you're doing. You're doing a really great thing. It's um, it's been quite rewarding. And some some still look still look at you a bit funny, possibly, um, and maybe you just don't associate with them as much. Um, yep. But that's not maybe not a bad thing. Um, and there's probably some people I used to hang around with 
in my early days who I still have a lot of respect for, but they're just on a different path now. Yep. Well, well they're on the same path actually, and I'm on a different path, and that's and that's perfectly okay. You know, I, yep. I don't disrespect them for it. And yeah, people are where they are. Them. No, exactly. Yep. Yeah, totally. And, and I think that's that's the only way you can do it, because as soon as you become a bit preachy and you you must do this, um, p- people, oddly enough, don't generally respond to that very well because <laughs> um, because of the ego and all that stuff. And all, who are you to sell me? And da 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 da. Yeah. And yeah. I think um, like the, the message I always try and say is if you are into purpose and on purpose, you just need to be having the best party on the street so that people just kind of go, oh, hang on a minute. What's happening at Dylan's house? Music sounds pretty good and people are laughing and having a good time. Should we go there and have a quick look? Um, <laughs> rather than knocking on their doors, kind of like, hey, right, you must come to what we're doing because we're so much better than you. Yeah. 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 But it's, it's hard when you know the difference that you're feeling and you can see yeah. someone who's maybe where you were five or six years ago and it's like oh, yeah. just do this <laughs> but like you say they have to be ready for that conversation and i guess that's what you're what you're yeah. providing that platform with the courses that you're running so t- tell us a little bit about this course that you run like who's it for what does it cover what's the what's the end result sure okay so we used to we called it farming to freedom because it's sort of farming based um <clears throat> we we since we had a couple of people on that were outside of farming we put it in their farming perspective so we changed it to style so style is in the fence. Yep, go with nice. the to the fence. Um, yep. And I guess our, our purpose in that is um, inspiring and enabling courageous leadership. That's, that's nice. the purpose of that, of that um, organisation, pretty much. And so, really, what it, what would our target audience is probably, um, you know, younger to middle-aged type couples, I guess, in, in small to medium business, and it's predominantly being sheep and beef, um, bit of grain and dairy farming, and to date, but really what we don't speak to farming, um, as in we don't present to farming, we speak to business, life and leadership. Yep. Um, and they put it into context within their business. And so um, what we saw, we wanted, when we started the course, we wanted a point of difference. I guess um, you go to the, a lot of courses, particularly as farmers, because they're hands-on practical people that are like yep. doing stuff, right? Um, and you start to talk to sort of business jargon, well, they go, just goes over the head. So. I guess the, the application that we the, the difference there we wanted to bring was that let's bring the, the people who are good at what they good at the subject. So we're bringing facilitators to, to present the information, and then Sheree and I will talk after that uh, yep. about what it was like to implement that and what it looks like. You know nice. what it feels like as well. Yep. So the the pull the you know pull and push and pull of the husband and wife duo, yep. um, because I'm you know typically I'd be in the in amongst that you know Sheree will be in the office here trying to get. Um, stuff on paper policies and and i'll be trying to get out the door with my gumby so i want to get some hands-on stuff which is important mm. to me and but she needed to get stuff out of my head on paper so that we can hand down responsibilities all those sort of and when we're talking to that you know the couples there are going ah and you know oh. and the, the wife's <laughs> so nudging, familiar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> told you sort of thing yeah. um and that's i guess one of the biggest things is that or what i realized is that my wife um, I mean, she had, she had, she's got a professional background as a physio, and mm. but I, not to say everyone should have a professional background, but there's so much she, that she got offered that I didn't even realise, and and she didn't realise that herself. So that was yep. kind of a big, a big realisation for me is that I needed to get here from the back seat. He was, she was always supporting me, right. patting me on the back, picking me up, feeding me, and go, yeah, go, go to it. To now get her in the front because I was, you know, during that recessional period, I was the freight train. Uh, with the freight, the truck 
going out of control, mm. getting together in yep. speed, and she was a little car handbrake trying to pull me up, <laughs> and it wasn't working. Yeah. <laughs> and now that she's beside me with the controls, and you know that brings diversity of thought. Yep. So I've gone off on a tangent here, but um, no, no, that's that's, cool. that's kind of the couples thing yep. to help the males realise you've got someone right beside you who's got so much diversity to bring to challenge you, but in a good way. Because healthy tension is a good thing. Yep. Um, to help, help your business more robust, more resilient. And remember, there's, there's actually two of you in it, not not just you. Mm. Um, you need to consider everyone in your business. Yeah. Um, so so that was that's probably our target audience, although we've had some single people through as well. And 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 accountability was the other piece. So so we've learned to have a guy called Chris Mac, Chris McLennan, who does delivers one of our modules. He used to be an army trainer, and he he's a king of accountability. So he's taught us how to <laughs> he's taught us how to build accountability within the course so that we didn't want people just to come and take information away and go, oh, yeah, that's pretty cool, and then you know, slide yeah. it under the carpet when they get home. So that on the first day we build um, you know, we talk about okay, what are what are we gonna get out of this team? What's what's the um, rules of engagement that we wanna do? What's what do you wanna take away? Is it okay just to take it home? No, it's not okay. Then so what's gonna make us do that? And then they build in they, they actually come up with the consequences if, say, the homework is in and on time. Right. And it, it's all a bit of fun. Yeah. But I tell you what, it works. It gets the homework and they get the implementation mm. happening in the business as they do the course. And that's the really fulfilling part because you see so many light bulbs coming on as you go through the course. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty out there. Nice. I think it, light bulbs, I think it was Thomas Edison who said, uh, ideas without action is just philosophy. Um, love me a bit of philosophy, but like you say, if you've learned some new stuff, yeah, you've got to go and try it because that's right. Otherwise, it's useless. Um, I think it's really interesting what you're talking as well about Sheree, uh, you know, and her former life as a, as a physio. Mm -hmm. You know, there's. I think we often discount what we have learnt in former lives, um, and and there is a tendency to maybe throw the baby out with the bathwater. Well, I'm, I'm drawing. Here's a hard line. I'm no longer a physio. I'm now involved in a farm, so I need to go all in. But yeah, I mean, working with people, understanding systems, um, you know, there's so much knowledge that you could transfer from one career to another. And for me, that's a big part of the purpose journey is um, recognizing, you know, who you are today is is because of a series of events and and, yeah. and happenings and, and things that you have um, going for you to just go draw a line under that and create a whole new person. Well, A, that's impossible. Um, yeah. And B, there is so much gold um, and that's the key is, is to find th those key trends and, and things that that, are, that have served you really well and can still serve you as you go forward into the new version of you. But this is all the hard stuff. You know, this is what this is what I say to people all the time. You know, finding purpose is not um, puppy dogs and unicorns and fluffiness and just, you know, what's your passion? Follow your follow your, you know, follow your, your joy. It's you got to go in and do the hard work and look at parts of you that you don't want to go and look at, um, which is why I think so few people do it because it's hard work <laughs> that's yeah you hit on a really good point all you're saying i completely agree with it um you know this what i say now as i look at things when you know when people are going through hard times or even when we're going through you know a bit of a um i guess like the other day i um i was i was I've been on the board and i went up for re-election and and the, and the selection board decided not to uh, reappoint me so that was a bit of a uh, you kicked to the guts but yeah. i realized that like um you know because it basically it's your ego at play and i had to, had to go okay yep still and that's your ego put that aside and understand <laughs> what this does now it's like cool i've got some headspace now i can put my yep. time into 
my business and do some really other good things and and not you know but it does it does affect you because it's like you define yourself as a board member right and all of a sudden you've been that's been yep. taken away it's like yeah shit i'm no longer a board member what am i you know yeah and that's the part where everyone including like sure was a physio farmers when they retire you know it's why succession and farming is really really mm. done it's done poorly and, and probably a lot of other businesses because they you know once they have to let go of the reins and onto their sons or whoever um they've, they've been a farmer all their life and all of a sudden that they're, they're nobody who are they mm. that's what yep. all this stuff is and so yep. yeah yeah so we've it's very, sorry, sorry you go. Are you go you go i was just gonna say so we we play with our purpose and everything we do and whether it's family sports teams um our business our team our kids you know and that's how we try and get other people to do it so when you when you when you when you discover your purpose mm. you, you should be able to do it in anywhere in life totally i, I, I occasionally get pushed back when people go oh but I, I need to have my work purpose and it's like well yeah. There's, I can't remember the name of the lady, um, but there's a quote someone sent me through the other day. It's like, there's no such thing as work-life balance. There is only life. And and this is, it's what I call that authenticity gap. It's like, well, th this is who I've been told to be. You know, this is who I should be. And and we're going in different directions at different angles and at different velocities. And in, until you close that gap, you you are essentially schizophrenic because it's like, well, I have to be Dylan, the farm boss between nine to five or probably five till midnight whatever your crazy hours you were doing um yeah but then i have to kind of switch off and try and be a different version of me as a family member or as a sports team member and that again i think all this stuff plays into the mental health crisis it's like i'm having to be someone different at work yeah. you can't carry that baggage and that bullshit for x number of years and not expect the subconscious part of your brain which is so much more powerful than yeah your conscious part of your brain um yeah i think that's a big thing but i think the other thing you know you're just talking about the ego there do, have you um do you name your ego have you given no. it a name because that's sure. something that i i learned a few years ago and are you so, so i call my ego dick because he's he's normally a bit of a dick <laughs> so it's like hey dick appreciate that I, I like where you're coming from but you know what we're good today thanks um we don't actually need that comment so um yeah the rest of us over here yeah you, you crack on have your thing um but that's you know you, you get that rejection. The immediate thing is is that need for approval. That that you know, like I say, that <laughs> sense of identity. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I don't know whether you've had a had like a, a, a download session with them, but it might be that they, they've gone. Actually, Dylan's way too advanced for us. What, like he he's pushing us too far. You know, but immediately with the negativity bias, you go, I'm not good enough. They didn't like me. Da 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 da. da. I'm an awful. You know, and if you, if you let that spiral completely out of control, you, you quickly in resentment, anger, stuff the world. Well, that's it. You know, all boards are useless. Da 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 da. da. And and it's really easy to do that. So yeah. yeah. That's right, and uh, you know, and I, we had a discussion uh, with them, and I, I'm I'm perfectly happy with it. Set, but you know, <clears throat> it could be which there was, there was what three positions on the board, and and mm. there was four four applying, and the other the other three were excellent, you know, yep. and they they right. had a really hard choice doing it. So, but you know, had I not got the feedback, then I might have felt, oh, I'm a loser, you know. So hard I done by it. Yeah. What, what do they yeah. know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what what kind of tangible outcomes are you are you finding through this course so you've got all these young sort of young to middle-aged couples coming through what's what are sort of yeah what's some kind of the results um that, that people are seeing or what sort of feedback you generally get from people coming through your program so um we have so we actually have, we've got a graduation for the last course um 
coming up next week. So we have a graduation at the end and we have these awards. So this probably aligns with what you're talking about. So one one is called, um, which is the course one. So we've got this, I'm not sure that they're here actually, but the um, Wonder Woman Award. So it's nice. uh, we actually a Wonder Woman standing here with, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And um, it's about the pe the person who's um, who was made of the quietest, the one quietest at the start, um, come out of their shell, and was prepared to be vulnerable and talk about stuff that they wouldn't normally yep. talk about, or whatever. And um, so that we see a lot of that. You know, a lot of people um, actually express their thoughts and ideas because what we do with the couples in the business and um, in the course is there's normally one that's quite outspoken, it's talking all the time. So we ask them in a way, say, how about we um, Let's go to the other part of the, the partner. And yeah. What, is that true? What yeah. yeah. <laughs> what do you think? Sheree's and, like, no, he's a liar. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that so then you and then you start, you know, the aha moment comes on. So, oh, she's got a voice. Oh, she, she actually can mm. think. And so when you see the couples, the couple alignment is another award we do, which yep. is um, you know bringing because we had a um, you know a lot of times we have guys running ahead. Don't know how to, you know, let get th let things go, and that's the other one is letting go while you grow is another is another yep. reward. So, send space in the head because they've managed mm. to get stuff out of their head on paper, let, letting stuff out, and then the, a lot of the time they don't necessarily grow their business because they realise that what they're doing they just really enjoy. Growth isn't mm. what they're after as far as asset growth. Sometimes it is, but they're able to do that more sustainably and be, be more resilient with it too now. Yeah, but but it just becomes way more enjoyable, and um, you know they're they're actually spending more time with their like we're catching it with participants that have done the course a few years ago the other day, mm. and and this couple who he was he was an ex banker actually and he focused on business and numbers numbers you know you'd hate him because you he's one of those <laughs> yeah he's definitely not human yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well he's turned into a human now he's so. turned into a human yeah yeah <laughs> so I've sold down one of the businesses and the spending time away at their holiday home that they bought because that was one of the things they did during the course. Mm. Um, and he's a completely different person now. And I, I couldn't believe it when I, even to the point where, you know, things like going hunting were, um, uh, where normally you go out and go hunt a deer. So you'd be chasing it down and all you focus on is shooting a deer where he, and he, he hardly saw any, but now he sees deer all over the place, but he's not actually focused on shooting. He just wants to observe mm. and be present and, Yep. You know, and his, and his son's running around trying to shoot them, but he can't find them because he's not present. So you just see a change in their being, <laughs> you know, and who they are. And yep. um, and I don't care whether it's whether the course gets credit for that or not. When we start, when we see that happening, we maybe we, we were the seed that got we planted the seed, but they yep. they made it happen, right? So um, yeah, it's pretty rewarding. Definitely. Yeah, I think you you probably can't overestimate the amount of impact that you have. I mean, it's really hard when you're when you're running courses and content and training. You 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 don't know what thing you've just made tick over in someone's head because not everyone wants to say that at the end of the end of the day or even at the end of the program. And I think it's really hard to actually know the impact that you have. And the th thing that came to my mind when you were sort of talking about that mental real estate, the the, uh, the thing that came to my mind was Bob Marley, you know, emancipate yourself from mental, from mental freedom, none but ourselves can free our minds. It's like, boom, it's like, it's, yeah. it's all your own bullshit that's stopping yeah. you from becoming free yeah. to do what you really want to go and do. Um, that's super cool. No, it's really, really cool stuff. Um, 
that that you're doing there. So what's you've again sort of talking before we kicked off, um regenerative farming, obviously you're still farming as well as running running the program. And I was saying it was interesting um because I co-teach this program at UC on creating impact-led enterprises. And the other night we had uh, Hamish Reed, who's the sustainability and brand director for Sinlay. And yeah. There were some really interesting things that he spoke about. Um, firstly, they don't call themselves a dairy company anymore. They call themselves a milk company because they've realized that in a few years' time, they may not be getting milk from cows. They might be getting milk from other sources. And I thought, well, that's interesting. Um, but they have some very, very big ideas and targets around completely transforming the dairy industry or, the, or I guess, farming industry more broadly. And I guess... Mm. That's something that you're you're also talking about, and so again, I think there's a lot of people, uh, you know, us city folk who are kind of like, oh yeah, dirty, dirty dairy farmers. You know, they're just milk, milking us for all the money and destroying the planet. But that might be the case with some people, but there are also some really good guys like yourself who are trying to change that. So, what what does regenerative farming look? Like? I mean, like 101 regenerative farming for people that have no idea what that even means would be a really useful thing, I think. Okay, uh, well, that's the big that's a big question. Um... However, I, I, I'll attempt to, to do the best I can. So I guess, um, yeah, regenerative farming, people tend to try and want to put it in a box and just say, well, what is it? And so and, and it's really hard to actually say it's one particular thing because it's not. Mm. It's wide-ranging stuff, right? And um, I, I guess uh, um, for us, we um, one of the people who've done our courses, he, they were regenerative um, or they are regenerative farming. That's how we got onto it. And um, he was doing it because... He had a um, um, we had Crohn's disease, so he was looking for, you know, going battling through that in hard times, and actually trying to find a way to um, produce more nutrient dense food, you know, healthier kind of diet, etc. And how could we farm differently to to produce that food? Um, so that, that was his pathway, and we clicked onto that, and then basically it's become our story in a, in a way that we see, I guess, the regenerative type of system we've chose to take and um, follow. Um, we see it taking care of a lot of environmental issues, um, yeah. you know, global global change issues, uh, animal health. So when you've got the animal health happening as well, you've got, you know, food nutrition, healthier uh, food that you're producing for the people, communities. Um, but what we're finding also is, is that our people, yeah. our teams are really, really a hell of a lot more engaged than they ever were because we're no longer this commercial farm that produces yeah. not, you know, with chemicals and, and in the conventional style of farming, we are, um, we're actually looking after the animals differently and better. Um, we're looking at the soil and the biology, all life that that is, exists on farm, we're, we're really considering now as a holistic type of approach, not just, mm. um, and some people like to describe it more as a holistic type of farming rather than just regenerative. Um, right. But what you're doing, regenerative is actually making things better, not yes. It's not actually sustaining it. Sustaining is just maintaining something you've got. And if, it's, if what you've got is crap, well, you're just maintaining crap, aren't you? So you need to actually make it make it better. Make it better. Yeah. So Love I guess um, some key so, some key principles around it is um, so we we try not now to uh, to cultivate. So you want to increase the fungi in the soil, and, uh, and you trying to eliminate the chemicals, the chemical sprays. Um, yeah, uh, uh, use we're using our animals to and graze differently now to get longer, higher covers. So, um, yep. no big soil uh, on the ground. And what we're trying to do is actually get a cyclic system going rather than a, a linear 
system where you're putting something at one end and you're producing something at other end but in the, in, yep. in, the, in, the, in doing so you're doing something that's detrimental to environment etc so we're trying yep. to now use the biology that the life in the soil to, to actually create the nutrients to into the feed that's there to grow the feed which captures the energy from the sunlight essentially now i am sounding really very fair i can see the sunflowers in the background but essentially it's what it is we're getting this free energy from the sun to, to harness and make more nutrient-dense food that goes mm-hmm. back as much back into the ground to feed the biology you know, if I'm I'm saying very simplistically. It's probably not very scientific um, uh, explanation, but oh, that's, that's pretty, pretty much what it is, to be honest. Yeah. I think um, it's. I mean, it's really interesting that uh, you know, farming is food production in general. It's it's a. I guess it's it's kind of blindingly obvious that it should be regenerative because if 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 farming is extractive or food production is extractive extraction the end point of extraction is nothing mm-hmm. and so <laughs> kind of you know we can't just make all the food and then go ah oh, sorry and and again hamish was saying the other night i can't remember the number but it's a frighteningly low number of uh potential harvests left in the grain belt of the us i think it might be yeah. 60 harvests i think he said i can't remember the number someone can fact check that and put it in the comments but there's a there's a finite number of harvests left basically in the US grain belt, which is feeding their dairy industry, um, as well as obviously a whole lot of commercial outfits making cereals and and God knows what else. And you kind of go, well, that's pretty frightening. You know, what what happens, you know, if that collapses? And and what are they, I guess, what are they doing about it? But it's the same for all businesses. I was doing a a purpose and B Corp workshop yesterday for a client. And I I try and highlight the fact there's kind of five stages of of impact in a business. You've got business as usual at the bottom where it's like where you were, it's all about material success, just make money. We don't really care about the outputs beyond making money. Then you kind of have your CSR next level up. Okay. Well, we're, we're maybe minimizing our carbon footprint or we're paying our staff a little bit more money. We're doing some good. Then you've got B Corp as your next level up. And then within B Corp, there's a thing called the impact business model, which is where you're going out of your way to do more good than you kind of need to do. But above that, it has to be a regenerative business because if, if yes. all if any business is at any point extractive, the end point is still, we end up with nothing. Um, mm. And I just think this, it's, I don't know, listening to, listening to Hamish the other night filled me with a lot of hope. But then you go, this is one company in New Zealand that's doing this or aiming mm. for that. Mm. We, we need every company. We do. I think though, uh, Tim, it's going to happen. I, I guess um, I just get, give an example of this. Um, uh, went to a conference that was made and um, set up of, uh, about a month or so ago, and um, called the Future Fenibus Summit. It was just local, held locally, but and basically, we, it, this, the idea came from about uh, six or seven university, excellent university students who are mates of about in their late twenties, and it just blew me away about with regard to how they got this going so these these guys are our future leaders and see these guys are in agriculture they've all most of them had some professional um, positions whether it being banks or whatever hopefully not accountants <laughs> <laughs> um, and and uh and so they come up with an idea and they go i've got this idea what do you think yeah okay let's make it happen so they just network is is like com- completely trust is not an issue and within three months the the summit is happening and so they, they've got they had people like Damien O'Connor speaking and the 25 other speakers who were really well a lot of them were quite influential mm. and um 
was held in a, in a, in a paddock at the back they had set it up nice. for, for other things so it was really that feel it was kind yep. of a regenerative feel but it wasn't just about um regenerative it was also had people talking about energy the future of energies and um you know tourism uh, agritourism and things like that but what yep. what inspired me was that uh, i think uh, the future um of our industries and our it lies in our in our children and the people that we see coming up through the ranks and those these people coming through the next generation they want meaningful work you know that they they don't care so much about the money or whatever they want to make a difference right and so that's where those businesses will, will start to change because they're going to be coming through and the old yep. you know, conventional thought that they're going to be signing off and going to the mansion somewhere and and good luck to them but you know at yep. the end of the day we've come to this point um, for a reason, I, I don't, I don't um, hate or you know, despise anyone because if we've got to, I think it's just the evolution of human kind that we've had to come to this point mm. to realise. Just like you say, yep. when you're in that valley of despair, you you find the gold and you get you climb back out of it. And, yep. and I think this is where we've come to as a human race. Mm. There's some uh, we can get really woo woo for a second here. Um, I I love me a bit of Carl Jung and his uh, psychotherapy and psychology works, and um, in his book, I think it's in his book, Ion, he he talks about, you know, there's a song from the 70s, the age, the beginning of the age of Aquarius. Well, we are moving into the age of Aquarius and, and Jung theorized that the age of Aquarius was humanity coming into its true consciousness. And yeah. I don't know. I mean, like this is there's some proper woo woo stuff there. And yeah. but you do look around and you go, there's stuff happening. Like the, the, I was talking to someone last night, uh, Ollie uh, Milliner from uh, he's in the UK. He was the sustainability manager at Kathmandu who led the them uh, through the B Corp framework. And he's just saying like in the UK, B Corp is just going nuts. He's mm. and he literally said, it's like, it's like there's just been a sea change of consciousness in the UK. People just yeah. suddenly get it. I don't know. That's like maybe Carl Jung was, I, I kind of feel like the, there is a zeitgeist change. Like, like you say, you've got the, and if, if people, if business leaders, business owners, humans are in any doubt, like the evidence is overwhelming that customers, employees, and investors want to support businesses that are doing good. It's it's overwhelming, the evidence. Yeah. And if you, you know, but I guess it's the old thing, you know, there's the rational argument, well, here's the data, but it just, it feels good and it's the right thing to do. And on your deathbed, you'll be able to look back and go, do you know what? Actually, that was worth it. Instead of like, oh, fuck. <laughs> What did I do? Well, that's it. I mean, we say to, um, and often Brendan, when he speaks to us, to our crews, he says, you know, he talks about, you know, and your at your funeral, what would you like people to say about yeah. you? But the, the, the truth of the matter is, people don't care about what you do; they care about how you make them feel. Totally. And and so, you know, and, and, uh, they, and they won't remember what you had. They won't go, no. oh, he had he had that. 2021 bmw 3 series oh it was so i mean there might be yeah. one person at one funeral who goes oh he had that great car but yeah. like the, the phrase i use is people people won't remember what you had they'll remember what you did and how you did it and yeah, yeah, yeah. we're so focused on on the rest of it and um, how so how old are your kids uh so oh they've all well one left home and came back again so you boomerang back <laughs> boomerang <laughs> <laughs> so they're all they've all left, left home uh left school i guess um so what are yeah. they, 20 uh 19 21 and 23 and and have they i guess they might still be are they boys girls mixture i uh, know so two boys uh two older boys and one younger daughter so that so um, the two boys are, are probably still just grunting and and not really forming cohesive conversations with adults uh yet i'm joking <laughs> um 
but have they have they noticed like have they expressed anything have they sort of said hey mum dad like this is this is really cool like we we yeah. see what happened here or are they yeah how, how did they react to it because people closest to you can often want you to stay as you are because they have more to lose in many ways than you do when you change mm -hmm. and transform that really it's a brilliant question um so i guess when i was when we we're going through that growth phase and they were just we kids and then we certainly when we got into that when we went to recession and things weren't looking very good at all they were see they were seeing me basically i wasn't home they weren't seeing me actually and i was i was trying to help coach the team but i i was always late and um or wasn't there so i was very unreliable <clears throat> because of trying to just survive right and so when you yeah. ask them you know even people that we employed here said look if, if um if buying a farm or progressing like you have means that i live the lifestyle that you do then i don't want to own a farm so that's basically the feedback that i got to say holy shit, i'm doing all this stuff and and i thought i was inspiring people but i'm just like putting them off for the way that i live and so that was a big there was bigger harm in it for me and uh and so once we've been changing our kids have seen they're old enough to to see the change in us and how we particularly myself mm. i guess um and and how we've now devoting ourselves to our purpose and who you know and understand who we are and more recently last few couple of years Shri and i have been going through a real spiritual journey as well and so they've kind of been watching with curiosity of that sort of mm. thing as well but um as a result so i guess um one of the big things that was huge for me um was that i i got to coach i i was uh, lucky enough to be able to coach and manage um, my son's first 15 rugby team in, in the local town of and so basically I, I got tapped on the shoulder and said no one else is putting their hands up can, can you come and coach and i says oh shivers. so um i'd love to okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i said i said one condition that i can play with this building culture stuff and do all the things that we've learned nice. with, with the team oh and i like said, it yeah whatever just it's like just, just, we just need a coach <laughs> so um so i started coaching and um yeah, this is really dear to my heart actually so with these teenage boys and my you know, my middle son was a part of that team and um, we took them on a journey and really uh, so we developed a purpose and some values for that team as well wow. and i was kind of still new at this stuff at the time and you know trying to understand how to derive that from you know a bunch of teenage kids i was, was struggling with a little bit but we're, we're getting there and by year two the second season we had now values so we had a boot camp so we got that guy the accountability king guy and then we I, did a boot I, bet camp. That, I bet they liked him yeah <laughs> <laughs> they hate it and then they loved it at the end but <laughs> yeah but, um, through that whole process we um they came up with values and purpose and the and their purpose was growing um I, I, she was growing young men and sorry young growing good uh growing into good good men i can't actually I, it just relieves me it. but it basically was, was about growing them as people yeah and and, and and rugby happened to be the medium that we're growing them in so you know we brought accountability we brought in all, the, all those things we teach in our course for example mm. and so in that second year we entered three competitions and won all three wow and, and our focus wasn't on the results it was on ourselves and our culture you know all those things we've just been talking about and that, that just blew my mind it blew the kids minds like wow what, what is this stuff you know and um yeah, yeah. it was in it was incredible. That's where I said that's what that's why I call it purpose fueled performance. Because people yeah. underestimate the power. It's it's like nuclear fuel. It's like 
it, it's almost like nuclear fission. No, nuclear fusion, not fission. It's like it's a never-ending source of superhuman power uh, yes. that people just aren't aware that it exists. Yeah. Um, that's really cool. I was listening to uh, Tim Ferriss' podcast this morning while I was out on my walk, uh, yeah. and he was interviewing a guy called Jim Lower, who is all onto this stuff. So he he was like a high-performance coach for uh, mainly athletes. He's coached a whole lot of tennis greats throughout his, his career and some um, – other like skating people but just recently his latest book um he was talking about how he, he the, the big connection he's made looking back at all of the success of the people that he's coached have had is the, the people who've made the move from i just want to win and i want to score as many goals or hit as many aces to the people who went actually it's about playing the game well yeah. it's about winning the meta game of life and it's about me also. It's not because I think this, and I think this is exactly where you were at and where, where I was at, and where probably most people who, who listen to this were, are, are at. It's like I'm chasing material success at any cost. And yes. I think that the key to realize is it's not either or. You can have like have some material success, but you don't need as much as you think you need to get the approval and the sense of love that you're looking for. And as you start chasing other goals, you'll realize how meaningless those goals are. And so you can have both. Um, yes. And that's what this is basically what Jim was saying in his work is like that the true greats are the ones who nailed it on the court, whether it's the basketball court or the tennis court, but were also a great husband and a great father. Um, and, and with a complete thing, you know, I think he says he said Roger Federer was the was the best for that. He was like consistently sustainable world champion, but also a great partner, great dad, great friend. And it's like you oh. can have it or you can have it all. Yeah, super, super yeah. cool. That's, this, cool. I'm involved with a, um, a charitable group down here called Know Your Purpose, and it's aimed at, well, we're still trying to figure out the exact age group, but it's kind of like 13 to 18-year-olds. So getting kids just to start thinking about who are you, what are your um, strengths, what what what, what are the, the signs that you are picking up on, you know, the fringes of your thoughts as to where you could go, and just give them a little bit of direction on that. But it's interesting that, you, that you've done that because I, I don't know that there's a – well, I haven't found it. I haven't really – I guess I haven't really looked for it too much either. But I don't know how much research there is because this, this is a question I have in my mind is what if every kid went through something that you did with your team? Like how, how much better would the world be full of great humans who have connected to a sense of purpose, meaning, and contribution at an earlier age? But on the flip side, do we also need the, the pain of the journey to make it – Truly, truly, and I don't know, and I don't know whether anyone knows that answer. So, over I, to you. I think, yeah, <laughs> well, you definitely need the pain. I mean, it's like anything. If you listen to Carl Young or whoever, you know, it's the yin and the yang. You can't yeah. have happiness without sadness. You can't have exactly that. You know, riches without being poor or whatever. It's it's um, yeah. You, you just simply can't. You can't. Otherwise, it's just nothing. And um. And it's about, but, but the difference is, is that what if you when you go through that valley of despair when things aren't going well, what can you take out of that to, to make you a better person going forward? Yeah, because you don't do much when you're on the top. You know, you're at the peak and so like, no. awesome. Yeah, but where's the learning? And it's just like, oh well, I did this and this and got there, but uh, actually the learnings were from when I was at the rock bottom. Exactly that, mm. and I think that's that's kind of my thought <clears throat> is if we got people. If we got people to get to a, a level of peak humanity above that we currently have, there'd still be shit times. There'd still be learnings. There'd still be stuff you need to go and do. It's just we're, we're doing it from a higher base rather than from a lower base of maybe yes. where we're currently at. So we're yeah. almost up, a, up to the hour mark. Well, the, the one last question, because you've mentioned this spiritual stuff twice, and I'm mm -hmm. really, really curious about this because um, the more purpose work I do, 
the more spiritual I feel I need to become. Um, mm. And the more you dig into the, the concept of consciousness and why are we here and like the really, really big questions, there ain't really any good answers. And you, I don't know, I'm, I'm at this really interesting point in my life where I'm, I'm like, well, I don't know, maybe maybe that's the leap I now need to make is into some kind of faith-based system to, I don't know. It's, it's really, it's, I'm, I'm reading a lot of uh, podcasts and interviews around this topic. And one I read, I listened to last night, it's a guy called Jonathan Pajo. He's a, um, an iconographer. So he carves icons and he's an Orthodox Christian and hit the podcast title last night was that um, religion is inevitable. Hmm. And I, I hmm. do get a sense that if you look like throughout all of humanity, whether you're looking at sort of Gobleki Tepe, 12,000 BC, they had a spiritual belief system with these carved things that they were doing some kind of worship. I kind of feel like it's inevitable for a human to get to a point where they have to think of something that's way bigger than them. So what does that look like for you? What's that, if you're willing to go down that little mm. rabbit hole to finish off on? Because I think it's a really yeah. interesting place. It's been an amazing journey, actually. It's like, uh, I never thought I'd ever... Because I, you know, as you, as I talked about before, so focused on data facts, you know, material stuff like that. That woo woo stuff was just yeah. nah. You can't prove it to me, so why should I bother following it? So the more we've done this, like you say, the more we've got interested in it. So one of the, I guess, the catalyst to that was the I was at a, a, a chair on a, a, a school local school board, and mm -hmm. and they brought a pilot program in on with for the kids on mindfulness. So that was kind of my. And there was a big pushback in, the, in, in some in a segment of the local community. And, and so we tried to understand that. And anyway, we got it through. We, so we got curious and did a course ourselves. And then I guess it's just opened up so much more than we realised. So we've been living this life like this, you yeah. know, and now it's like, <laughs> there's all this other stuff. Yeah. And, and so, um, like, we're probably a little bit like yourself, or I can speak only for myself personally, but... Um, I think maybe I'm going to end. We're going to end up somewhere in, in a certain religion, but I'm curious in all religions and all ways mm. of thinking, you know, um, yep. and how it works. So um, we're listening and reading, and 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 it's quite funny because we now associate with a lot of people who are quite religious, and mm. and actually having some amazing conversations about it too. Yeah, um, it's really in depth. It's yeah, it's mm. just yeah, it's good for the soul. Eh? Yeah, I think it's it's. It's just, it's genuinely, I'm, I'm the same. Like, I'm, I'm just genuinely curious. Um, mm. it, it, I, I don't know. It's, it's quite, because I've just finished, uh, I've mentioned last week on the on the podcast, I've been digging into this, like, Arthurian period of, of historical fiction. And, and and both, well, all the books I've been reading, they, they talk about the tension point between the, the Celtic pagan religions and this new, they call it the nailed God religion that's coming in and, like, mm, and there, there is this clearly this sort of tension between well, that's how they describe it in the books yeah. in both of yeah. them they call yeah. them the, the, the nailed god um okay. from the crucifixion um yeah. and yeah there's like some of the some of the pagan the celtic pagan stuff it's like it's quite cool and that's obviously a big part of me because um, that's my welsh heritage i have and my even that's my dad's side but my mum's side of the family is kind of irish ultimately so there's deep celtic connections in me so there's an element of me that kind of like wow like they have, they have like the sun god the moon god they have this god they have that god and you can and you can see like I don't have you ever watched any of those programs where they put people in Alaska and it's like last man standing or last person standing they have to just survive mm -hmm. for however long and it was really yeah. interesting like this one guy I think he caught a bear or some big animal and Jeez. clearly he'd gone a bit troppo being stuck on an island by himself for fifty days or whatever. Yeah. And he'd skin the animal and he was like worshipping the bones. And you kind of go, you can totally see how 
early on, you because a lot of the original or, or very early religions were animal worshipping religions, and you could see how you would get to that point of being stuck yeah. on an island on your own for multiple days. That suddenly the bear has a has a it's your survival. It's you know, and you kind of shake your fist at the wind and the and the sun for burning you. So you can, yeah, I just think it's really interesting. But yeah, so for me, there's this kind of like. I like the idea of some of these pagan religions, but then you kind of go, well, there's a lot of stuff in there that if you're going to go into that, you know, theoretically there was Druid sacrifices and all that mm. kind of, you kind of go, okay, that's not so cool. Um, yeah. It's, it's just interesting. There's a, there's a whole, I, this is like a whole other, maybe th this yeah, could be your next level course for the, uh, yeah. for your people. Is that right? <laughs> you know, just a yeah. yeah. Cause that's, yeah. that's, that's where I kind of feel like with my work, it's like, I can help you get to the purpose journey. I can help you work out who you are and what you could be. But it's kind of like there's I don't know maybe it's not me maybe there's, there are certainly other people that can guide you on that journey but mm. yeah it's interesting some some kind of belief in something bigger than you it's that's at the heart of purpose and I think the more purpose you connect to yeah. it, it it's kind of inevitable that you start thinking that way mm. I think you're like with regard to purpose I mean it's it, the, the the spiritual stuff is is part of it but also I guess a, a link to that we're quite um, interested in um, Maori culture and how Maori mm. um, you know they tied yep. to the land. And so we're thinking around succession now within our own business. You know, what what is yep. it? What would it look like if nobody actually owned the land, but we all belong to it? Yep. Yeah. As a yeah, yeah. rather than being, you don't have to be Maori yep. to, to do that. So yeah. All those, you know. So the purpose journey has really opened so many doors, um, mm. and it's it's a really good feeling. Mm. Love it. What a great place to end. It's a great feeling. Yeah. You heard it here. Get amongst it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Dylan. Thank you so much. Um, I actually think this has been one of my favourite. Um, podcast don't tell the other guests um, <laughs> but I, i'd really i think maybe we need to do a second one in the future and go really deep in on this spiritual spiritual stuff maybe we'll give it a year so that we can both go on the on the journey a bit more um we'll put some links to people can find you find your course and stuff um yeah. but yeah thanks people for tuning in uh we didn't have any comments boo you guys suck listening in on the live <laughs> they've, all just, they've all just had an existential wet fish to the face and they're just like oh, i don't know what's going on um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i'll be back next week uh i think it might be uh christine langdon from uh i can't remember the name of her company now how embarrassing i think it's christine landon but we'll check on that anyway you'll be oh, here i'll be there today. um but yeah thank you so much dylan love your work keep up the amazing uh work that you're doing and um yeah can't wait to see where you end up with your beautiful regenerative farm with amazing humans being grown it's interesting that you're you're a farmer and you're now growing people there's something there's an analogy yeah. there's deep connections yeah. there for sure um, awesome all right mate cool. yeah have a great day see you mate cheers Tom. thank you and that's a wrap Hey, thank you so much for listening into my podcast. I hope you found it informative and inspirational. I'd love to know where you are on your purpose journey. And if you have any specific questions or people you'd like me to interview to help you on that journey, please do let me know. Also, feel free to connect with me on other social media platforms. You can check out all those links in the show notes below. And if you want to see how I might be able to help you specifically on your purpose journey, you can go and check out my website, www.growgood.co, or drop me a line by email, tim at growgood.co. All those links will also be in the show notes. I would genuinely love to hear from you. But anyway, until next time, go well and keep seeking that purpose-fueled performance in your life. <laughs>